good morning. <laughs> I'm so glad that many of you could be here once again. This is our last in this series on discipleship. It's on discipleship in general, but also specifically on a class that we offer. Right now it's just for ladies, but um, eventually we hope it can be offered for men as well here at the Advent. Um, and it's amazing that in the sermon and our gospel text for this morning was all about disciples and the Lord Jesus in his final words, um, some of his final words to his disciples talked about making disciples. And so this is one of the ways, this class itself is one of the ways in which we at the Advent are trying to create disciples that make disciples. And so there's something about that battleship image that Zach used so powerfully that um, we're transforming, hoping to transform people from the one mentality to the other mentality. But then um, the idea is that once people have been through the class, hopefully they'll feel confident and comfortable being able to do that same kind of work in ministering to other people and helping them learn about Jesus Christ and grow in their faith in various ways. So it helps them learn ways in which they can serve on this battleship. Um, so with that in mind, uh, this morning we have Liz Jones as one of the teachers. Yeah, how many years have you been teaching for discipleship class? No, I think maybe six. Six, three rounds. Three rounds. So Liz, and you went through for one round. Right. So Liz has been involved in the course for a long time. She's a veteran of the discipleship classes. And one of the, this is one of the teachings that she, um, she does especially um, on justification versus self-justification. And it ties into that part that I was talking about last week of this introspection and this self-examination, asking the Lord um, to show us what's going on in our hearts. Um, and usually when we ask him to do that, we're humbled by what we find, aren't we? And then that leads to confession, um, to repentance and confession and absolution. And we receive grace once again and we rejoice. So there's this sort of a revolving door in the Christian life of, um, of uh, acknowledging our sin, humbling ourselves in confession, repentance and confession and being raised up by the Lord and um, by his grace and his mercy extended in Jesus Christ. So Liz is going to tell us more about that. Um, so as we're beginning to enter in, let's let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word and for your word made flesh, our Lord, um, yourself, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that in your word you show us so much about the differences between what it means to try to justify ourselves and what it means to be justified by you. And so we ask, Lord, this morning that you would open up our eyes and our hearts and our ears once again, that we might receive your word to us, your word of um, of uh, of the law and seeing the ways in which we've um, fallen from uh, obeying your your commands and also Lord we ask that you would show us your great love for us once again and um, I ask also especially that you would anoint and empower your servant Liz in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Hi justification versus self-justification um, we talk a lot about justification at the Advent and it's a topic that is so central to our faith I wanted to understand, so what does it look like if I'm self-justifying myself, or what is it, how does it show up in my life, and how can I distinguish, and why is it not good for me? Um, Luther's big insight from the Reformation was that man is justified by faith alone, and the righteous shall live by faith, which is from Scripture, but it had been distorted over the years to include also being righteous and doing good works and everything else, but... Um, Luther thought that the justification by faith alone is the article of the church, is the article by which the church stands or falls. And so I wanted to understand more about it and from God's perspective. Um, 
and our justification is the state of us being right before God and accepted by him. But how can such a thing be achieved? And in fact, it cannot by man, but only and solely by God. Martin Luther came to an understanding that mankind is justified solely by the grace of God in the atoning death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we receive this grace and believe in this truth, then we are justified and saved. And even our faith to believe in the work of God through Christ is also the work of God. It is a gift. And St. Paul tells us in the book of Romans, it is God who justifies. And since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And our own articles of religion, which are at the back of our book of common prayer, Article 11, states on the justification of man, we are accounted righteous before God only for the merit of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by faith and not for our own works or deservings. Wherefore, that we are justified by faith only is a most, most wholesome doctrine and very full of comfort. This articulation of the doctrine reminds us that our justification is from outside of us, it's other to us, it's exterior to us. And John Bunyan, who was the 17th century churchman and the author of Pilgrim's Progress, gives us this description of justification in his work, Grace Abounding. One day, as I was passing in the field, and that too with some dashes on my conscience, fearing lest all I fearing lest all was still not right. Suddenly this sentence fell upon my soul. Your righteousness is in heaven. And I thought as well that I saw with the eyes of my soul Jesus Christ at God's right hand. There, I say, is my righteousness, so that wherever I was or whatever I was doing, God could not save me, John Bunyan in this case, or Liz Jones, lacks my righteousness, for that righteousness is right before him. I also saw that it is not my good frame of heart that made my righteousness better, nor my bad frame that made it my righteousness worse, for my righteousness was Jesus Christ himself, the same yesterday and today and forever. Now did my chains fall off my legs indeed. I went home rejoicing for the grace and love of God. I think if, if you just remember one thing, that our righteousness is in heaven, that's a great, a great idea to have in your head. St. Paul, in describing the Jews' rejection of Christ, gave a good definition of self-justification. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So why with so great a gift as justification, why do we live and breathe self-justification as if we could or would improve upon God's gift to us? Because self-justification appears to be the deepest impulse of the fallen human heart. We deeply desire to save ourselves and to be justified before other people as part of the process. Self-justification is sometimes unconscious, sometimes conscious, but driven, we are driven by the desire to invoke the law for our salvation rather than the death and resurre resurrection of Christ. We want to obey, obey whatever law we is pressing, we, whatever law we feel is pressing on us, or at least give an account of why we justly broke the law and can be excused. We want to save ourselves, and we want our own existence to be justified by our deeds. And we get angry when God's action in justifying us forecloses our chance to appear important or righteous. But our self-justification in all its many forms is in fact an abomination to God. 
It is an expression of doubt of his goodness, of his judgment, and of his provision for our salvation. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus told the parable of the unjust steward. And the Pharisees, who loved money, ridiculed him, but Jesus rebuked them, saying, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. One form of self-justification is to blame another for our actions, the idea that someone else has to be wrong so we can be right. Adam blamed God for his eating of the forbidden fruit. He told God that the woman he had given him gave him the fruit, and he ate it. Aaron blamed the Israelites for his sin in making the golden calf for them to worship. You know how, this is what he told God, you know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. He was up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. So I told them, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. <laughs> it wasn't his fault. Um, the entire book of Job is so interesting to me in many ways, but in particular, I see it as Job's as a working out of Job's abandonment of his self-justification before God and his ultimate hushed and repentant trust in God's judgment and provision for him. He had great physical, emotional suffering, but I think a lot of his suffering in that book is because he was misunderstood and misjudged by his friends, and he just hated that. Much in the same way Jesus was misunderstood and misjudged. But Job states to his friends that he is a righteous man and God has made him to suffer without cause. God responds to Job's assertions of his righteousness by saying the following. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's and can your voice thunder like his? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. Unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at it all. Look at all who are proud and bring them low. Look at all who are proud and humble them. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself will admit to you that you, that your own right hand can save you. It's really our salvation that is on the line between justification and self-justification. Our justification is a condemnation of God. It is in opposition to the, his justification. And the absence of self-justification leaves us silent before the Lord. Job said, Behold, after, after he's sort of starting to understand where God is leading him, Behold, I am insignificant. What can I reply to thee? I lay my hand on my mouth. Once I have spoken, and I will not answer. Even twice, and I will add no more. At the end of Job, after Job has understood his folly in trying to justify himself before God, and he has surrendered and repentant, repented, God does justify Job before his friends. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to the friends, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So take seven bulls and seven rams, go to my servant Job, sacrifice a burnt offering. Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly.
You have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Job prayed for them, and the Lord accepted his prayer. And after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. It is really so good when the Lord justifies us. Self-justification does not even work because other people don't accept our justification of ourselves. It is only when God justifies that there is acceptance by others. There's a story in Numbers that I I really think is so good, a example of God's justification in the moment. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than any anyone else on the face of the earth. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them went out, then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, Listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid? to speak against my servant Moses. It shows us that self-justification is also in opposition to the fear of the Lord. We should fear justifying ourselves, especially at the expense of someone else. And the anger of the Lord burned against Miriam and Aaron. In Luke, the young lawyer asked Jesus, this is um, a lawyer has come before Jesus and with the crowd and Jesus is he says how might I inherit eternal eternal life and Jesus said well what do you know of the law and he said well to love the Lord my God with all my heart with all my soul with all my mind and to love my neighbor as myself and Jesus said yes do that and you will have eternal life but the lawyer just couldn't leave it alone <laughs> and he, had, he in order to in the and, and the scripture says to justify himself, he asked, who is my neighbor? And I think we often do that with questions. We're justifying ourselves. We want either to be recognized for the, um, that we might have gotten it right. Somebody else is going to say, yes, that's exactly what I was talking about. Um, and then everybody gets to hear that. He wanted to test Jesus. Um, he wanted to appear to the crowd more righteous and knowledgeable than Jesus. But Jesus surprised him because he didn't answer with the pharisaical, pharisaical understanding of neighbor that was just the Jews. He, in fact, told the story of the Good Samaritan and um, told, the, told all that were listening that, in fact, the Samaritans were doing it better than they were. Um, and I do think that often self-justification is a, a way that we block love. It, it gives us a, a reason to not do something loving for somebody else because we have some reason. We have some justification. That's not my neighbor because you're not in that group of people that um, has been defined. But God knows our hearts, and he knows when we're in self-justification mode. 
In Matthew, Mary, the sister of Lazarus, anoints Jesus with expensive nard. And she was criticized at the moment by some of the apostles for pouring out expensive nard that could have been sold and the money given to the poor. Jesus responded and justified Mary by saying that wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Um, I thought that was very kind. Um, in Luke, we have the example that um, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Um, the parable of the workers in the vineyard is for me a story of the folly of self-justification. The master went out five times to bring workers into his vineyard to work. To those hired early in the day, he agreed to pay a denarius. To the succeeding groups he hired, it was only the promise to pay them what is right. At the end of the day, the master instructed his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. This is my, this is my overlap of this parable. They felt they were justified to receive more. They trusted in their own righteousness and in the law of, I will be justified for my good works. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. They would condemn the master to justify themselves. These who were hired last worked only one hour. They said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. And from the last parable, trusting in their own righteousness, they treated others with contempt. They would thank God they were not like other men. But Jesus answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? You will be, this is my overlap, you, will, you want to be justified by the law, so here is your payment under the law. Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? And this is my words. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. The lesson for me is that when we condemn the master and his judgment, we deprive ourselves of the generosity that we might have received received had we been humble before him and not sought our own justification but waited on him who judges rightly in demanding what we think we rightly deserve we are sent away with only that which under the law we contracted for and we do not receive the unmerited bounty we might have known we are not saved we live in the soup of self-justification i want to explore why justification is a big such a big deal 
and what self-justification looks like, why it does, it does us harm. It can be as simple as coming late to an event and immediately offering an explanation as to why we are late because, after all, we have broken the law of being on time. Or if I had come before you today and explained how I had tried to prepare and not really met my expectations and how I want to give you a handout but not gotten it done, <laughs> after all, <laughs> I had broken the law of adequate preparation. That is nothing more than my self-justification so that you might like me or at least not dislike me for doing a poor job. And so, but self-justification never works, and it sounds weak. <laughs> we ask our children to be in the business of self-justification, to raise money for this cause, to be sure to turn in your volunteer hours so that you can be recognized before everyone for your righteousness and build your resume. Is, is it any wonder we cannot conceive of what it means to be justified by God based upon no righteousness of our own, but entirely on the righteousness of Christ and his obedience to the will of the Father. We hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law, and this justification apart from ourselves is freedom, because we are no longer required we no longer require the approval of men to be right with God. Saint Paul says that if we try to be justified by the works of the law, we are alienated from Christ because self-justification under the law and faith in the righteousness of Christ cannot coexist. Our attempt to self-justify diminishes the work of Christ, and that is abhorrent to God. So Peter tells us that Jesus, when he was before his accusers, did not justify himself, but relied on him who judges, judges rightly. In foregoing our own self-justification, we will be misunderstood and misjudged, but it is okay, because we can trust God to judge rightly and to save us not this is the verse i wanted to leave you with you were bought for a price do not become slaves again from first corinthians if y'all want to ask me questions you can because we've got time isn't that amazing to hear this theme brought out in all of scripture that we don't always think about and suddenly realize oh it's everywhere it's everywhere this idea of standing in and i think of it in terms of standing in my own strength standing in oh well there was a car accident on the highway so i'm really not late even though i did 10 things before i left the house that i really didn't need to do and i pushed it too late and if i left enough margin i would have been on time that one always gets me because i'm always late but that standing in this sense of my own righteousness, it's not my fault, it's, it, it's, a, it's a lack of faith. And so it's a sin of omission. It's a sin of um, foregoing, putting my whole trust on Jesus Christ who justifies. And it's me wanting to cover up my sin of you know, putting myself before the group that I'm going to go see or putting whatever before what really needs to be hap happening. I'm terrible with my priorities sometimes. Or even yeah. trusting in that moment that God can justify you, even yeah. without your explanation. Right. And that the that He would maybe put goodwill into the hearts of the people yes. who are there, and yeah. and that you don't have to even offer. Yeah. It's the old self that wants to justify and myself can't help and can't help it. And so often it's verbal for me. I mean, it is a form of self righteousness, but so often it's what's coming out of my mouth that's this sort of like verbal vomit of trying to make myself look good before other people instead of just standing in whatever mess I've made and saying or whatever good thing I've done and letting it be seen for what it is and letting um, letting Christ's righteousness stand for me essentially um, 
or just being willing to be misjudged or misunderstood. Yeah. As you point out, like Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So good. Thank you. Okay. Any other questions or thought or observations? Um, did you hear anything different about some of the passages that Liz mentioned going along? I appreciate that in Job, that Job is, I mean, that God is okay and even uh, gracious to us working out our justification directly with him. Yeah. As, you know, he didn't rebuke Job for coming to him. He mm-hmm. rebuked his justification rightfully, but he didn't get mad at him for talking to him about it. And like the friends just went amongst themselves, worked it out amongst themselves, never went really to God. Right. And he hated that more. Right. Than and turning to him. Exactly. And so Job ends up standing before him, and there is this amazing moment when the Lord speaks to him out of the whirlwind. And I sort of picture Job's like hair being (laughs) blown back by the wind of God's presence and he's sort of like standing alone without anything between him and his creator no no cover no um no shred of self-righteousness no shred of anything he has to offer and and he realizes that at that moment and um but he's continually putting himself before the Lord whereas the others as you said Emily Eleanor, oh, our, um, sorry, <laughs> you didn't have your accoutrement, yeah, okay, your entourage is not here, but, um, but so, yeah, looking at that, the, the difference is amazing, startling. It's just a fun exercise to play with yourself, am, yeah. I, am I in self-justification mode, am I, is even, the, are even the questions I'm asking, and am I curious about other people and what they're doing because I want mm-hmm. to justify my own life and make sure I measure up, am I, um, you had a great example of that too, which always appeals to the good student in air quotes that I believe that I am. And so growing up, I always was, I very often was the child in the, de- you know, sitting in this big classroom that knew the answer. And I always had my hand up because I wanted everyone to know that I knew the answer. <laughs> I needed some kind of gold star for knowing the answer, especially when no one else did. But even if someone else knew the answer also and they were getting called upon, I had to put my hand up because I wanted everyone to know that I also knew that same right answer. There's something about that. Again, as you said, there's the covering up for our lack. And we do that through our verbal self-justification. And one great example of that is, as I was saying before, the lateness. Well, it's because of blah, 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 blah. And then there's also the um, trying to get recognized for something good that I've done, this self-justification. I know the answer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's funny, too, to think about, like, how, like, the ripple effect that self-justification has in your life, right? Like, okay, so you're speeding because you're trying to get to an appointment on time because you don't trust that you're going to be justified when you get there. I mean, what, what impact can that have if you, I mean, you crash or something like that? And in the same yeah. way, like, if you're the one who's always answering the question, like, what if there's someone else who needed... Who, who, you know, for whatever reason at that point, like, you know, wants to answer the question or whatever, or like needs that for their personal development. It's, a, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's funny to think about. Like, if you can just totally let go of what, what the ripple effect is for other people's lives, too. It's standing in who you actually are, standing, yeah. again, like Job, unadorned, yeah. um, and trusting in God to justify us, yeah, which exactly. he delights to do through Jesus Christ. Um, so it is an act of faith to not self justify. It is, yeah. Any other thoughts or questions before we close in prayer? But you can see how this this whole theme is one. It's opening our eyes to our fallenness once again. The old self that continues to live on 
uh, until we die, <laughs> thankfully, then our sinful self will truly um, have the final nail put in the coffin. Um, we will no longer, when we rise from the dead, we will be completely sinless. And it's true, um, in truth, we are righteous before God's eyes because of what Jesus has done. And yet, um, that it, we're not we're not justified, or we are justified already, but we're not totally sanctified yet. And that's God's work in us, um, which is finalized again um, when we rise from the dead. It's it's a done thing then at that point. So, but yeah, it, please. It, but it is a it's a joyful thing that we can every day, like Ellen was saying, go to God, repent, mm-hmm. and ask for that forgiveness and be once again restored. I agree. I think some people, when they see our liturgy on Sunday mornings, whether we have morning prayer or Holy Communion, we always have a confession of sin, don't we? We start, we always, um, we confess before we come to the table. We confess before we go to the Lord in prayer and before we go to his word. And there's something about it. Some people see that as being incredibly depressing. Oh, we're all about talking about our sin all the time. That is actually freeing. That's good news for us to be able to acknowledge our sin then we can move on. Then we can we can acknowledge it, and in humbling ourselves to acknowledge it and repent, we are raised up um, by Christ. Our absolution, our forgiveness, is is secure in Him through His cross. But we're reminded of it every time we confess our sins. Um, so, hallelujah for that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for um, this this theme that is all throughout Scripture, and we thank you, Lord, that you are the one who is both just and the justifier of sinners. And so we come to you once again, and we ask that you would give us the grace day by day to stand in that justification that you have wrought for us, that righteousness that is ours, that is imputed to us through your death. And we ask then, Lord, that you would cause all of these um, attempts on our part to justify ourselves, to be recognized for good things we do, to be um, to be um, overlooked for the things that um, we failed to do. And we ask, Lord, that you would cause us to stand and to put our whole trust in you more and more day by day for your glory's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Liz. You're welcome. Thank you, everyone. And if you are, I think most of you who are interested in discipleship class have talked to me, and I'll be communicating with all of you in the next couple of weeks about logistics and things like that. But, um, yeah, I'm really glad to see that there are people interested. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.